welcome to the At Ramsey Heights podcast, your source for all of our audio messages at Ramsey Heights Baptist Church in Batesville, Arkansas. This is Pastor Brian Coates, and I hope this encouragement from God's Word connects with you and helps guide you through your next steps on your journey with God. Enjoy today's message. Matthew 28, if you would like to turn there. Matthew 28, and we are now in what I call the depths of winter. Like it's cold all the time, the days are short, it's dark, and every week there is a promise of snow which either doesn't come or it does come immediately after an 80 degree day. That's just Arkansas for us, right? How many of you are winter people? Any winter people out there? A few of us? That's what I thought. The cat people are, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I I understand the want to be around winter time. Like there's just something about like maybe a big sweater or a big blanket and curled up and wrapping up and being in the warmth of your own home and just ignoring the world outside like it's a it's a cool time of refreshing and to be honest with you guys I'm a summer person and and that's okay I just something about long dark days are hard for me but what I do like about winter is it's a time of refreshing and renewal. You know, God designed this entire earth and he designed the seasons. He designed them for the purpose of the earth continually going through this yearly transition from life to death and back to life again, a yearly renewal. And we as people, even though we don't necessarily go through that, the way that we've set up our calendar kind of encourages us to use January as a time of yearly renewal, to to look at the year past and, and reflect on it but to look forward to the year to come. And that's what we're doing in our forward series is we're leaving 2020 in the past and we're, we're focusing on what 2021 holds for us as a church. You know, when the founding fathers built this country and, and they wrote the Constitution, they put in the Constitution that on a yearly basis, whoever the President of the United States was should give a well-read um, report to Congress on the state of our union. And for the first 100 or so years of our, our nation, that State of the Union went out as like a report card. Like he, he would sit down and do his homework and he would submit it to Congress as a written report. But around 100 years or so ago, our presidents began to deliver the State of the Union as a verbal address, as a speech that was given. And this has become part of our political culture these days, is that the president uses the State of the Union address to identify what has went well in the past year and to report on what he hopes the focus of the nation will be in the coming year. And I like that. And so for that reason, this morning, we are going to talk about the state of our church. And this is an opportunity for us at the beginning of 2021, at the beginning of this year or this time of renewal to look in a mirror and decide what is good about our church and what things do we want to do a little bit better at. You know, looking at a mirror can be one of two things. It can be extremely exciting or it can be very depressing depending on how you look in the mirror. Everybody in here has experienced that moment when you get a new haircut or you get some new jeans or new shirt or something and you look in the mirror and you're like, oh yeah, I'm looking good today. Uh, my poor wife, every once in a while, I get out of the shower, get dressed and I'll run up to her. She'll be sitting in the living room. I go, babe, you are so lucky. <laughs> Everybody's had those particular moments where we look in the mirror and we're like, I feel good today. But I want to share with you some research that uh, is going to knock us down a peg. I don't know if we need it, but I need it. Research has actually been done into how we view ourselves and how attractive we view ourselves. Here was the experiment. 
They took a bunch of people and they said, rate yourself on a level of attractiveness from one to 10. 10 being the best looking person in the world and one being absolutely hideous. And what they found is that people rated themselves and when they asked other people to rate the attractiveness of that person, that that person had consistently rated themselves one to two steps more attractive than everybody else around them. Oh, that's a little scary. Another experiment that they did is that they uh, took a picture of someone and they slightly modified it two different ways. One picture made them look slightly less attractive. One picture made them look slightly more attractive. And they showed them the original picture, the less attractive picture, and the more attractive picture. And they said, which one do you think is really you? Would you like to guess what everybody picked? I'm the pretty one. They consistently picked the one that had been changed to look them more pretty. And, and here is what really is the kicker, is they found through these experiments that someone who was considered less attractive by their peers was more likely to skew how attractive they viewed themselves. But somebody who was more attractive or considered more attractive by their peers would underrate themselves. So let me put all that in good old Arkansas terms. The science says this, if you think you're pretty, you're ugly. And if you think you're ugly, you're pretty. So, uh, and if you're like me, I, I don't really want to focus on that research. So I'm going to forget that and I'll invite you to forget that with me. But I think that that brings us to a point here. I have this deep sense that when a mirror or when a church looks in a mirror, that that applies to us. A spiritually ugly church will look into the mirror and they'll look at how beautiful they are. You see this in Revelation chapter 3 when, when Jesus is addressing the different churches, the church of Laodicea. He says to them, you think you were rich, but you were blind and don't know that you are poor. Uh, what Jesus is saying to them is you've looked in the mirror and what you see is not near what I see. You see yourself as way more beautiful than we do, than, than Jesus does. But I think the opposite of that is true. A church that is actually spiritually beautiful will look in the mirror with humility and not looking at our own beauty, we'll look at the things that we need to improve on. And it will hurt us in places that we failed. I hope with all of my heart that Ramsey Heights is that second kind of church. That, that we look in the mirror with humility, not looking at how beautiful we are and how good we are, but we look at what we can do better and what we can strive to be better for Christ. So the question now becomes, how do we quantify the state of our church? What, what are we going to measure ourselves against to come up with this, this mirror image of who we are? Well, there's a bunch of things that people do measure churches on. We can measure churches by how many people are in regular attendance on Sunday morning. And we can look at that number compared to years past and say it's better or it's worse. How many new members do we have? How many members do we have on a roll? We can measure ourselves by our numbers. A lot of churches tend to measure themselves based on finances. We look at the board back in the back of the church and say, oh, we had this much money come in, and on average we have this much money dropped in the offering plate over a month's time. And we can be tempted to look at ourselves and say that our church is either beautiful or ugly based on how we are doing financially. We, we might be tempted to look at ourselves and, and to judge ourselves in the mirror by the name that is over the door and forget what we are or are not doing for Christ. As long as we have the right brand of Christianity in this building, we might see ourselves as more beautiful than Jesus Christ would see us. And the list goes on and on. We might judge ourselves on if we are being traditional or if we not being traditional. We might ju judge ourselves on if our own desires are being met in this church. And, and we might even judge ourselves just on, does it, does it feel good to be here? And if it does, we must be doing good. And if it doesn't, we must be doing bad. 
but not a single one of those things that I just mentioned, not a single one of them is a biblical form of measurement. Uh, let me just say, all of those things are important, and I think they are symptoms of either health or sickness in a church. I think a healthy church will see those things, and it will be a little, you'll, you'll notice all of those things going up or, or being better in some way, and a sick church, you'll notice those things going down. But those things are not the goal. It's not what we come here for, it's not for any of those things. Last week we talked with James, or James talked with us, I guess we should say, and he, and he gave us an emphasis on not just being hearers of the word and being doers. And, and he described what a person who hears the word of God is, and they don't, uh, uh, somebody who hears the word of God and they don't apply it, he described them as a person who looks in a mirror and then walks away forgetting what they look like. And so what James says is that if we're going to look in a mirror, that mirror should be the word of God. And so we're going to judge ourselves this morning on Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. This is the mirror in which we decide, and the reflection of ourselves in this, what is the state of our church? This is Jesus speaking. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all the things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. This is the standard by which we judge the state of our church. And, and our first take-home truth today is this, is that the state of our church is unshakable. I've gone through a bit of a heart transformation this week. As I knew that God wanted us to take this point in the year to, to, to have some moments of self-reflection, I felt this immense pressure to come up with a definitive statement about what our church is, to, to dive into the Word of God and use a data-driven approach to come up with some strong statement. The, church, the state of the church is strong. The state of the church is weak. The state of the church is healthy. The state of the church is sick. The ch state of the church is beautiful. The state of the church is ugly. I felt this desire to do that, but the, the problem was I didn't really know the answer to that. And so I prayed, God, I don't, I don't know how to, how to make this work. God, how, how do you see us? God, are we a church who's poor, but we think we're rich? Are we a church who focuses on how poor in spirit we are, and, and really we are rich? God, God, how do you see us? And as I dove into the scripture after that moment, what God came back to me with, and what he just illuminated in the scripture time and time again, was the phrase, I am with you always. See, if we as a church look in the mirror, we see not only ourselves in the mirror, we see standing beside us is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And for that reason, the state of our church is not influenced by what we do or do not do. As a matter of fact, our biggest failure as a church would be look in the mirror and look at ourselves and saying, what works do we have? At that point, we are focused on who we are and not who God has called us to be and not the, his presence with us. I would argue at the point that we look in a mirror and we see only ourselves, we are no longer a church. We're a community group or a club. But the fact that Jesus Christ stands with us and that he is with us always means that the direction and the future and the state of this church is not up to us. It cannot be changed by what we are doing or not doing. It is a constant because of his presence with us. Going back to Revelation, John is drawn up into a vision of heaven. And the first time he sees Jesus, he explains where Jesus looks like and explains where Jesus is standing. And it says, Jesus is standing in the midst of these seven golden lampstands. 
And, and later in the scripture, it explains that each of those lampstands represents a different church. And I love this imagery of Jesus. The first time we have a physical visual of Jesus Christ since he ascended into heaven. And where is he at? He is present with his churches. And he's tending to their needs. And he's taking care of them. And he's looking to the future of where they should be. And for this reason, for this reason and this reason alone, we can be confident in the future of 2021 at our church. Not because of what I'm doing or because what you have done or what we have done collectively, but because God, he's got this in control. So the question now becomes, how do we respond to the fact that we look in the mirror and we see the presence of God with us? How do we keep our focus on his presence with this church and what we're doing? We, we assess then how are we responding to the mission that he stands beside us and orders us to go on. And there's two ways to look at what we just learned. We could look at this and say, well, God's, God's got this church in control here. He, he's, it's going to do what it's going to do regardless of what I do. And so we can find in ourselves a deep sense of complacency. It's good enough. It's not going to matter to me what happens. God, God's in charge of this church. I would argue that's the wrong way to look at this. Instead, we could look at this and say, we have the power and presence of Jesus Christ with us, and we can let that excite us on our mission. It can be an encouragement to us to do more. And I really think that how we, as a church, answer that question, do we respond to the presence of Jesus Christ by becoming complacent or becoming excitement, I think that that will define to us whether we are an ugly or a beautiful church. And so this morning, as part of our state of the church, I wanted to just assess how are we doing on our mission? What is it that we're doing well? What things can we celebrate and have joy over? But what things can we improve on? Because I'm excited for what God can do in and through this church. And I believe that what he did in 2020 can be magnified in 2021, and then it can be magnified again in 2022. And I believe that God can do amazing things through you and me. And so our mission is this, to break down our mission point A up here is that our mission is to make, dis, um, make disciples of all nations. To make disciples of all nations. I, I love the words Jesus used here. Jesus didn't give us the mission of, hey, let people know that there's a church here. Jesus didn't give us a mission of even spreading the gospel. Hey, hey, just tell random people, you know, what you know about the Bible. Jesus gives us an action commandment here. It says to make disciples. The word make means that you are to bring into existence disciples. That, that's the goal and the mission of our church. Not, not to just say we exist and that's good enough, but we have a mission of making, of us being responsible for bringing new disciples into existence. And we know that the first step of this, according to Jesus, is evangelism. The, the purpose of that, or the reason we know that is because he immediately says, when you make a new disciple, you baptize them. From other places in the Bible, we know that baptism immediately follows conversion as quickly as possible. And so we know that our core number one part of making disciples is evangelizing and not just spreading the gospel, but effectively spreading the gospel. Secondly, he says, make disciples, but he doesn't say make disciples in your church building. Make disciples within a quarter mile of your church building. Make disciples where you're at. He says, make disciples in all nations. We have a responsibility to the communities around us. We have a responsibility to Clearview and Riverview. This is our realm of responsibility. The address of this church is not a mistake. God put us here for a reason. He didn't put us a mile down a road. He didn't put us on the other side of baseball. He put us here 
and our mission is here. And to a, to a somewhat smaller extent, the greater Southside Batesville area, that's our mission. But we are also given a responsibility to make disciples the world over. The whole world is our mission. The entire world is our responsibility. And so let's look at what we've done. What are we doing? I asked you guys to fill out a survey last week, and several of you did and put that there, and I appreciate that, and I appreciate your honesty. Let's look at the things that we can celebrate and be excited about. Uh, locally, half of us said that we have shared the gospel with somebody personally over the past year, and that's an excellent thing. That means that we are personally involved in this mission. We, we come to this church, and we're learning things, and as we go out, we are so excited about the future, and we're so excited about God that it's spewing over into our lives where we are finding people and say, let me tell you about my God. Let me tell you about my Savior, and to me, that is something, that's one of the things that touches my heart the most is we have people that are, are living it outside of this church. Not just showing up to church on Sunday morning, but we're living it outside of this church. And it's so exciting for us to look at that and say, we have people that are actually going out and doing this. And it's something to be proud of. And I think it's something that God smiles on. Collectively, we can look at our collective responses and collectively what we are trying to do to spread the gospel. You may be tired of hearing about Operation Christmas Child, but I'm not, so we're going to talk about it every week. Last year, collectively, this church came together for a project that shared the gospel with 125 people, not in our community, but across the world, in all of those nations we're, we're supposed to reach. And this was, although we did this collectively, this was a personal involvement project. You went out and bought soap and socks and washcloths and books and pencils and toys. You took it upon yourself to be personally involved in this particular mission. And for that reason, sometime, and it still haven't been delivered yet, but sometime in the next month, 125 kids are going to open a box filled with so much joy, things that they couldn't even imagine. And the whole message that goes with the box is, Jesus Christ loves you. And they're going to take that message and they're gonna take it back to their families and they're gonna say, I learned that Jesus Christ loves me and their families are gonna hear the gospel and their communities are gonna hear the gospel because of your work here at Ramsey Heights. In addition to that, we raised by putting a jar on a table over $1,000 to pay for the shipping of that extra. That's not offerings. That's just people coming by and dropping extra money because we believe in the mission of spreading the gospel across the world. In addition to what we're doing locally with, with personally sharing the gospel, in addition to what we're doing with Operation Christmas Child, we, we made a decision a couple years ago that we would work on a tithe model here as a church. That Every penny that gets dropped in an offering plate, 10% of it would be sent immediately to missionaries on the state, national, and worldwide level. And so every penny that has been dropped into an offering plate, 10% of it has been written, written in a check and sent to someone who is doing the work of spreading the gospel across the world. I didn't put this in your notes, but you might be interested in this number. In the year of 2020, we sent $8,262.71 out into the world supporting people who are spreading the gospel everywhere. For a church this size, that is a lot of money that we have invested in the kingdom of God, and that is something that we can celebrate. And make no mistake, everything has a cost. We could have used that money to make ourselves more comfortable. We could have paved the parking lot. We could have somehow redecorated this place. We could have done all kinds of things with that money that, that we would have liked, but you know where our heart is? Our heart is in getting that money into working for the kingdom of God. 
If you take all of these things together, our personal evangelism, our financial commitments, and our, finan- our, finan- our giving to financial... Our Financially giving to helping other missionaries and Operation Christmas Child, well over $10,000 has been poured out of your wallets and my wallet into the kingdom of God, and we have received no benefit for it. That tells me that our heart is in evangelism. That tells me that we are doing things to influence the kingdom of God. And I think that this is a moment that we look at that with joy and excitement, and we, I'll be honest, we pat ourselves a little bit on the back, and we said, that was good. But I don't want our joy and our excitement to bring us to a moment of complacency. That same mirror that tells you that your new haircut looks really good will also tell you that you may have ate just a few too many Christmas cookies, right? And so when we look in this mirror, we have to look at the things that we can improve on, the the things that we want to do better at in this year. And here's the things that all of that tells me. The data suggests that half of us are spreading the gospel in in the community around us. But that also means that half of us are not. That means half of us are coming to this church and, and we're not excited enough to take it out into the world and share it with other people. And I assume those are favorable statistics to make it look like more of us are doing it than there are because many of us didn't fill out the survey or many of us weren't here to fill out the survey. In addition to that, those of us who did, those of us of Ramsey Heights who did share the gospel reported that out of 365 days that God gave us last year, that we were able to find one or two opportunities to share the gospel. It's not enough for people saved by grace from a loving father to say just a couple of people a year is enough. Now, I'm not getting on to anybody. I'm not trying to call you out if if you reported that you didn't witness this year. I'm not calling you out and saying you're a horrible person. I'll be honest with you. It's one of my weaknesses as well. It's it's tough for me to walk up to somebody I don't know and figure out how to bring the gospel conversation about. But what this tells me is this is something collectively as a church we want to improve improve on and we want to figure out why this is not happening. And there's, there's many reasons that might explain why we're not doing very good or not doing as good as we would like at spreading the gospel. And one of those reasons may be that we as a church, we as Ramsey Heights, we are not equipping each other to know how to start gospel conversations. And if you're looking for someone to blame, that's my job. That's what I'm here to do. And so in 2021, we need to figure out a way to equip ourselves better to share the gospel. This may also mean that we are neglecting our realms of influence. That when we leave this church, there's a disconnect between our church life and our life that we live outside of this church and our realms of influence, whether that's our family, our job, the neighborhood and the community that we live in, our friends, we see those things as separate from church instead of seeing them as a personal mission field to be accomplished, for the gospel to be accomplished in. Once again, those are both problems that are, that are <clears throat> those are both problems that are based on the communication of the leadership of this church. So here's our status when it comes to evangelism. How, how are we doing on our mission of evangelism? Our mission is this, is that our heart is in the mission, but we are missing personal opportunities. And in 2021, expect us as a church to figure out how to build on what we're doing well. We're gonna up our Operation Christmas Child numbers. We're gonna up our offerings, or our missions offerings. We're gonna up those things, but we are gonna look for opportunities to figure out how to encourage and engage us in better teaching and better preparing people to share the gospel. That comes into our second part of our mission, point B up here. 
that our mission is to be teaching disciples the commands of Christ. That that is what we are to be doing within this building. Now I want to be clear here that our mission is not to teach people our commands. There's a lot of that going on in the world today. Agree with me. Do it the way that I do it. That's not what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to teach people the commands of Christ. And so as we look into the mirror, we ask ourselves, how are we doing? Well, to teach means that we are to install knowledge, the knowledge of how to do something. Uh, see, we tend to think of teaching because of the way our education system works is, is getting information into somebody's head, uh, of getting you to remember I'm a history teacher, remembering names and dates, make sure that you know when this happened or why that mattered. That, that's not what the Bible implies here with teaching. It's not getting knowledge or information into somebody's head. Teaching implies taking somebody beside you and, and training them in how to accomplish a goal or task. It's much more vocational than it is educational when it comes to installing knowledge. It's not just the knowledge of what's in the Bible, but of how to apply what's in the Bible, leading by example. So here's the good things that we see in our church. Number one, we have many people who dedicate Sunday to being in the house of worship and coming here to get more knowledge, to get more training. And that is something that we can praise God about. I don't care about the numbers. I praise God for the individuals whose hearts is working on, I want to learn how to be better for Christ. That's something that we have going for us here. In addition to that, there are many people in this room with many, many different talents that they can share with others. And many of you are sacrificing of your time when the opportunities allow to invest in other people through teaching or through service in this church. That's something that we can be extremely, extremely happy about. RB, I think we're all, all the way down to point B there, bud. If you can pull that up for me. I haven't done a good job of announcing those. I apologize. <clears throat> On top of that, according to our survey, as we ask, and this is maybe excites me more than anything else, we ask, what are you doing outside of this church that's not in here this particular morning on Sunday morning? What are you doing to invest in your relationship with God? And the majority of people who answer that, they're telling me that they're spending time studying their Bible at home by themselves. If I could have one thing that I ask of us as a church to do is when we are by ourselves, we open our Bibles and spend time letting it change us on an individual level. Uh, people are also reporting that they're spending time doing different devotions or listening to preachers and teachers that they get something out of. Listen, if you have a pastor or a teacher or a leader somewhere that is biblically sound and, and they encourage you and you learn from them, listen to them 100 hours a week. I want you responsible for taking on part of your own education and making your own knowledge within this church and not just waiting for Sunday morning. Do it throughout the week. Those are things that we can look at and say people are hungry to learn. People are hungry to, to get the knowledge. People are, are hungry to be trained. That's good. It speaks to our heart. But once again, we can look at the things that we should improve on. In, in 2020, through no fault of our own, our... Uh, our opportunities for discipleship in this building have been cut way down. And, and that's just kind of a had-to situation. There's nothing that we can do about that in that moment. But we need to revitalize our commitment to bringing that back as soon as possible, as soon as the virus and the pandemic will allow. Secondly, the opportunities that we have been providing, Zoom classes on Sunday night, uh, Wednesday night study when we've been able to have that open is engaging less than half of the people who find themselves as regular attendees here on Sunday morning. 
Now, let me throw this out here. I'm not here once again to get on to you. It would be easy to play the blame game, and I think that happens in a church a lot where we look at people and go, well, they just don't care or they're not committed. I don't feel that way. When something's not going well in the church, I point the fingers back at this church and say, we're not doing something right if we can't engage people in our teaching and our discipleship processes. I really, really feel that the scripture does not make a distinction where it says teach people who are willing. Make it easy enough for people to show up and if they come, then you teach them. What the, the Bible commands us as a church to do is to teach. It puts the responsibility on me It puts the responsibility on this church to find ways to engage people in instruction and finding teaching structures that are working. So in 2021, we've got to do a better job of finding out what is working to engage people in small groups and studies outside of just Sunday morning worship. So our last take-home truth is this, is our status here, is that we need to renew our commitment to effective discipleship. The key word there is effective. We can put program after program after program together in this church, but if it is not being effective in engaging and changing people's lives, we need to cut it and find something that works just a little bit better. So in 2021, here are our goals. We will be pushing for engagement and finding ways to make our classes and our studies more engaging. This is our goal for 2021. 100% of people in regular attendance on Sunday morning be in an extra discipleship program, Sunday school, small groups, Wednesday night, in some way being engaged in extra learning outside of Sunday morning worship and preaching. That's our goal, number one. And how are we going to do this? Expect in 2021 that we will be beginning beginning a mentorship uh, program where those of us who are maybe a little more experienced, we've had a longer time to learn, we have something to get where we engage younger Christians, new believers or new members in the church, we engage them in a mentorship relationship for the purpose of discipling them. I'll be calling on those of you who have been here for a long time and those of you who have gifts to offer to find somebody who is new, to find somebody who needs to be brought up and taught and engage in teaching them personally, not in a class, but teaching them through relationships, learning to pray with them, teaching them how to study their Bibles. Expect in 2021 for us to be asking several of you guys to do that, placing your personal relationship in that sacrificial service that we talked about, or placing emphasis on personal relationship and being sacrificial servants like we talked about last week. Now, what it all comes down to is there's, there's many things that we can celebrate as a church, and I hope that we've highlighted those because I'm ecstatic about what God has done in our church. I'm ecstatic about what God will continue to do in our church, and I'm ecstatic that we have opportunities to improve, that we are not perfect because it gives us something to work for. It gives us a reason and an ability to be better for Christ. But all this missional success or the things that we can improve in comes down to one thing. It comes down to individual involvement. See, Ramsey Heights is not a name. Ramsey Heights is not a building. It's not a meeting time. You are Ramsey Heights. And if we intend to invest in doing more for God, if we are excited enough about his presence with us, that we want to invest in being better at evangelism, and we want to invest in being better at discipleship, and we want to invest in training people up, it's going to be you who does it. It's going to be you as an individual who lays aside part of your life and commits to this mission. Brother Danny, if you would like to come. So with that and and, and helping us 
think about what we might be able to do in the future, I want to ask you, what in 2020 did you contribute? Financially, were you a part of that $10,000 plus that we sent out? Did, did you use the talents that God has given you for the purpose of growing others and discipling others? And if you look at that and you're not comfortable with your answer, I would invite you to use this response time to pray about what your next level of commitment might be, where you might serve, where you might teach, how we might better grow together to witness.